My name is Scott Chaloner and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a very cold and very bleak winter morning here in the capital, but I am delighted to say that joining me on today's show to hopefully add a little bit of warmth and brightness to affairs this morning is Shoheb Shafiq, Chartered Management Accountant at Integrity Accountancy Services based in Birmingham, West Midlands. Um, Shoheb, very warm welcome to yourself today and by all means, thank you for taking the time to join us on the show. Thank you too, Scott. Really, um, really privileged and honoured to be involved. And uh, looking forward to uh, to having a good chat with yourself. Uh, likewise, yeah, likewise, real pleasure having you with us as well. Now, of course, your organisation uh, today, you're essentially a firm of chartered management accountants that work in the uh, the West Midlands. But sort of prior to moving into that industry, your background was in sort of the sort of manufacturing, charity, and not for profit arenas, um, I believe. And I suppose that sort of gave you sort of a real industry background that's kind of helped when it's come to sort of bringing through your own business. Yeah, absolutely. I I was kind of lucky in a way with my my career background. I I started off working. Um, yes, I, when I left university, I I I got to university to do a, a straight master degree, and that didn't really engage me very much. It was very different to what I'd enjoy doing when it comes to maths at um, at school. So I I left uni, and the last thing I wanted to do was anything numbers related so I went into various roles and um, in that time I'd gone on to working in manufacturing and then also done some not-for-profit and charity work as well and it, there's no doubt that when it came to working with other businesses as um, as an accounts professional having varied experience in my prior working life has certainly brought value to the work we now do with with our clients um, and the work that integrity accountancy does you know it's, it's, it's enabled us to be more adaptable and be you know and be more resilient as a business by mm. having a greater skill set yeah i can certainly imagine so and um what was it that sort of made the decision for you to kind of go ahead and lead your own practice as it were when was that sort of penny drop moment would you say that you thought going and running my own business that's going to be the way forward for me yeah really good question Scott thank you for asking um so myself as a as a, a child of a, an a Asian immigrant parents um my my parents were quite entrepreneurial they'd always they'd go to work in the day in the evening, they they look at generating additional money, and that in those days it tended to be the small ads. So I was always very much kind of encouraged, you know, you you know there are opportunities out there. And however, I was, you know, for a long time, but I I just wanted some stability in life. I didn't, you know, I I was happy going out working for other people, getting paid a salary, going home. And then, you know, from there, the, the time's mine. Um, and, yeah, as, as I became a qualified accountant, I then started working in various other industries, and particularly manufacturing, um, a few years, you know, before setting up Integrity Accountancy. I met a nice lady, and we were, we were, we were due to have children. And that then kind of really gave me that focus. You know, what kind of life did I want? myself and my children to have going forward and for me having choices 
having flexibility, having, um, you know, being able to be a, almost a master of your own destiny and be able to control how much you work and the type of work you did sounded very appealing. Um, so, yeah, shortly after I was due to qualify as an accountant, I would have been, I think I qualified, I'll just have a look at my certificate, 2009. Mm. And shortly after that, I realised I had this qualification and there was an opportunity to potentially go and work for myself a little bit and hopefully generate myself greater, greater income for less money. So um, well, it was pretty much when, you know, when uh, mentally in my mind I was, uh, you know, I was going to get married and I was going to have children. So I wanted more choices and opportunities at that point. And that was the driving force behind, in effect, then moving, moving on and setting up integrity accounting. Yeah, it certainly makes sense uh, from uh, my perspective. And um, obviously, just because we do have a lot of younger viewers that tune into the podcast that are of that younger entrepreneurial mindset and may be thinking of starting their own businesses, what are some of the key things that you kind of need to consider from your sort of experience when you're sort of starting out for the first time? Obviously, it's said so often that cash is king. So cash flow, of course, is going to be one very crucial element. But I can imagine there's that and there's also um, a lot more to it as well. Absolutely. Um, planning. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I think the more effort you put into planning a business at the start of that business life cycle, I think there's, there's a greater there's greater likelihood that the business venture will be, will be successful. But planning only goes so far. You know, the more planning you can do, the better, because you know it forces you then to look at other potential uh, hiccups in the road, other potential hurdles along the path, and and how you're going to mitigate those and get around those. However, there then comes a time where you just have to go and do some business, go and do some trade. You know, go and sell your wares. Um, and then you can continue the planning phase after you've started as well. Because if, if your business is going to be successful, it'll never be as quiet as it's going to be at the start. That is a time when your business is quiet. So at that point, you can then review the business regularly and, and make plans and look at where, where things are going and change things or look at what processes you've got going on in the business and how can you how can you how can you influence a business at that early point as you're learning learning across different scenarios so my so yeah one of the key advice is plan cash flow is difficult um but this you know you're talking to me as a, a charter management accountant I'm traditionally accounted as a risk averse individual mm. however to lead an organisation and or lead or, or start an organisation from from scratch, being a risk averse individual doesn't really go hand in hand. You know, when you when you when people want to start a new venture, there needs to be an element of risk taking involved. There needs to be that element of, you know, we we're gonna we're gonna have a go at this, and it might work, it might not work, and and what are the risks, and how do you mitigate those? which again is kind of reinforced by the planning mm. process. So myself as a risk averse accountant, when I was setting up integrity many years ago, 
the cash flow issue wasn't significant because I was still working for other individuals and building my business in, in my own spare time. So I wasn't losing much money at that point by, you know, putting my efforts towards integrity counseling. If you're, for example, someone that is a reseller, at some point you're going to need to go and invest in whatever you're going to resell. And that's where the risk comes in. And how do you mitigate that? Mm. Um, and, yeah, there's, 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 you can borrow money, you know. Uh, but, that, but that's what the planning cycle does. That, you know, having those moments at the start of your business where you're going to plan, this is who I'm, who I'm going to buy off. This is how much I'm going to pay. If I buy it off for these, I need to sell it for this amount because these are my costs that are involved for doing that. So um, planning is, is certainly one of the most important things. And I suppose the next bit of advice is just making that start, actually getting out of the, the sitting behind your desk or sitting in front of your laptop and doing the research and actually saying, right, today I'm going to, I'm going to do my first sale. I'm going to go and offer my services and get the ball rolling and get my first customer and complete my first sales transaction. Uh, so, yeah, th- those are my two tips. You know, plan the business as best you can. And the second thing is, is make that start. Make that start in trading your business. Because mm-hmm. I see a lot of people that procrastinate, sit on the fence and plan and plan and plan and there's a, you know, at some point you need to make a start. And once you start trading, you know, once you start your business, then you'll you'll learn a lot from it very quickly mm. at that point. Yeah, and you make a very important point about sort of the kind of risk averse side of things. And sometimes, you know, you do have to kind of take the plunge when you're starting out. And I think that sort of stems from the fact that maybe we are a little bit guilty, um, especially in this country, of being, um, you know, a little bit too afraid of setbacks, a little bit too afraid of failure, whereas maybe it's more appropriate to kind of go into these new ventures with that win or learn mentality. Either it comes off or you, you know, take the lessons from it. You don't view the failure, let's say, as terminal and you learn from it. You use that to, uh, to develop and move the business forward. I think that's incredibly important. And um, I suppose another important element as well is that, you know, when you're planning, you've got to be ready for the unexpected. And I suppose that the global pandemic over the last couple of years came as essentially everything but unexpected for everybody because business has had to sort of adapt at an unprecedented level to be able to continue operating. And in some cases, it's had to sort of cease operations for certain periods of time, depending on the industry. Um, looking into sort of your line of work and how that's been affected over the last couple of years, what are some of the operational challenges, Shahab, that you've had to try and get around? Yeah, uh, really good question, Scott. Thank you. I mean, you know, there's no doubt that when it comes to planning a business, planning for a global pandemic was not one of the things that was on our uh, was on our radar. Mm, of course, you know, <laughs> you know, um. I'm in my 40s, you know, I don't remember the Spanish flu. That was well before my time. Um, and, and yeah, but we saw it coming. We did see it coming. And um, because, you know, it happened in, in Wuhan in China five or six months before it, it came, you know, before there was lockdowns in the UK. Um, so we knew something was happening. And, um, yeah, we, we made a couple of small steps before lockdowns. And it wasn't really the COVID pandemic, it was more the, 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 the reaction to and the, the need for lockdowns and 
social restrictions in effect that had a greater effect on happiness. Um, but, you know, where there is change and where there is disruption, there is opportunity. And we, we definitely embrace that opportunity of COVID. Um, so, you know, we've, with COVID, um, we, we very quickly managed to transition our business to enable everyone to work from home. Also, in the years gone previously, we had wanted to move the business to be able to look after anybody within the UK that wanted our services. We're based in the West Midlands. However, we have clients all over the UK, in Cornwall, in in the Highlands, in Northern Ireland, um, in Wales, and you know all over the UK. Um, and we we amended our systems a little bit to enable us to kind of do more of that, be able to deal with anyone in the UK. Um, the other thing we did was, you know, we saw that a lot of people were contacting us as accountants and wanting help and advice. So we went and positioned ourselves pretty much as a business counsellor. The same way that somebody has issues in their personal life and might go and see a therapist or a counsellor, we felt that if people have issues in their business life, they can come and see us as accountants because we have good business experience. Um, and then, I mean, the next challenge then was staffing issue, the mm. workload issue, so then staff working from home and the mental um, strains that that may, may have put on other individuals mm. that maybe that maybe we, we hadn't thought of that. You know, the idea, you know, if your boss says to you, do you want to work from home today? Most people enjoy that opportunity. But then working from home for six months, most people won't have thought about that when they are used to leaving their home and going to a workplace and to have that social interaction with their work colleagues. Mm. And that was, that was, uh, you know, that needed us to to do some work. So, um, and we did, you know, we, when we were allowed to, we reopened the office and staff that wanted to come into the office were able to come in the office. Not all staff did, but some did. Some really wanted to come back into the office. And that worked really well. So we, we, we had to become more flexible as employers for our staff because it was ultimately our staff that were doing the work and they have to be made to feel comfortable to come and work for us. Um, so, yeah, so that was, you know, the challenges of staffing and, and such was, was certainly difficult. The other thing we did as well, um, and this is, was down to my industry experience, I kind of, you know, when it was all happening... And you know, there's a lot of worry and obviously a lot of uncertainty. I I did, I took the step of running the business as if it was in administration. So typically, when a business will go to administration or non non necessary expenditure is cut out entirely, so you'll be, you basically run a business mm. to do what it does as a service or what it produces, and then. Um, and you're not investing in the long term of the business. You're not investing in training. You're not really buying new assets or renewing equipment and such. And we we had a look at integrity accounts and said, yeah, we're not quite sure what's going to happen now. So let's just manage our cash flow. We will run the business as if we are we're in administration. Not that we were ever going to go into administration. That wasn't the key. But what we wanted to do was tighten our belt so we ran the business very lean. And that worked really well for us. So instantly we took away a lot of cost pressures. We we also changed our focus within the business to focus on activities that were actually going to generate us income. Um, 
and it, it, it enabled us to run the business lead. And that was all from my experience in manufacturing. Because in in when I was first went into the manufacturing sector, um, in the late 90s and early 2000s, um, there was a lot of redundancies, a lot of restructuring going on in manufacturing, and typically that was one of the approaches they would they would do when the administrator would come in. You'd, you'd cut out all unnecessary expenditure, work out which parts of the business generate the value, and run those parts better. And we, we took that process, and that worked really well for us. Um, I think we, we went through that process for about three months, um, kind of almost slightly repositioning the business, having a greater profile online, being able to work with anyone in the UK that needed our services, and running the business lead. Um, but, but, though, but doing that, it, it enabled us to, to kind of ride through the, the COVID period. But it, it, it was, you know, it was difficult for us. We we did experience significant, you know, loss of clients, reduction, reduced income, and reduced cash flow. Um, somewhat not helped by HMRC. HMRC, you know, who we work with, obviously very closely. The accountants were really good to all the taxpayers and said, if you've got a tax return, don't worry about it for three months, which basically pushed back a load of income and load of work back for three months for us. Um, and other deadlines are pushed back to six months and such. So that had an impact, but you know, it, you know, it, it was about the the great greater business community. Um, but yeah, certainly when it came to business planning, there was no way we could have planned for a global pandemic. No, certainly not. It came as something that was incredibly unprecedented and. I suppose as much as you've kind of used your experience from working in other industries in sort of how you responded to it, I can imagine you've also kind of learned a lot about, well, the business, yourself and your colleagues and just how resilient you are, given how well you've been able to respond using those sort of steps, obviously via those steps that you've taken. I mean, I can imagine this, like you've learned a great deal about your own resilience, um, obviously how your colleagues are willing to go above and beyond in times of difficulty. And there are some, you know, real positives, I guess, to take from all of the tragedy and how we've been able to kind of get through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've, you know, the staff development, how you know, staff moved from being in a centralised office where they had colleagues and peers and people senior to them that they could they get direct instruction from and almost be guided on their process. So the the kind of autonomous working um grew significantly with staff members because now we've gave them the freedom of working from home, gave them all the equipment they needed and all the resources they needed to work. But they didn't have anyone sat next to them checking whether they were checking the, the football scores or what's on TV tonight or what ingredients they need in the fridge so they don't ever make their dinner. They did, you know, there was none of that, um, uh, what you call it, um, you know, uh, keeping an eye on what staff are doing. There was mm. that trust. And um, and that, you know, that was certainly one of the positives. And when we came back to work, people were able to work autonomously on their own much more and much more confidently and much more productively as well. Um, so that was certainly something to come out. There was other things that, you know, not so good. You know, we did lose staff because they realised that 
you know, the, the the career that they were in wasn't was not right for them. It wasn't right for them because I don't think they enjoyed it and they felt they could enjoy and they yes they felt that they could enjoy other other work more and you know and it's good to it's good for them that they they have found the work that they really want to do. So um, the I think I think that you know and the other thing it did it, it, coming out of COVID. I think we were stronger business. I think the I think the personal relationships in the business now are stronger than they were before, because it was you know, nobody knew what was going to happen. We had to, you know, there was no procedure, as is typical. You know, a lot of businesses like like to have procedures, but there's no procedure. If this happens, then you do this during a global pandemic. So running a business and and leading a business. You know, from my point of view, it was really important that staff felt valued and were not pressured to do anything they were not comfortable with. So we had to listen to our staff and we had to be flexible. And that has brought greater greater relationships in the business. People more understanding, there's more respect around the business. Um, so that was a huge positive, you know, um, and yeah. So that you know, it's it's like you know, firstly the kind of the professional development of the staff, and then the improved relationships of the of the staff post COVID. Yeah, that's certainly incredibly positive, and I think what that's sort of shown in kind of your response is the importance of an office environment as well. As good as obviously flexible working practices are, I think it is important that we do have some kind of common workplace in a physical sense because it's so important for social interaction, for bouncing ideas off each other, for innovation. It is incredibly important for personal development in that sense moving forward. And you're much more easily able in person as opposed to when you're sort of talking and through a team's call to be able to pick up on certain social cues which kind of indicate that maybe mental health well-being isn't quite where it should be with a particular individual and you've obviously got more of an ability then to actually intervene with that and make sure that you know you're getting that person out on the right track so I suppose that sort of physical workplace there is always going to be a place for it no matter how much we talk about flexible working being here to stay for the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, let's let you know, prior to COVID, we does that flexible working. I didn't work from home. I was the leader of the organisation and I, I enjoyed having the work life separation whereby when I go home I don't think about accountancy when I've come to my accountancy office I don't generally think about what's going on at home. Um, however, COVID kicked in and you know, we, we, you know, we, we said I, I had to be able to work from home, and we now have a nice setup. I now have a nice setup within my home that I can work whenever I want to. So the, the staff now know that as well. And if there is times that they're not able to come to work, at least then we have the option of being able to work from home. So it, it, it's certainly, yeah, certainly add resilience to the business. Um, but not that I'd wish for another global pandemic anytime soon. To be honest, I've, you know, I'm, I'm happy for that too largely be hopefully in the past now with mm. us being in uh, February 2022 and yeah. kind of restrictions being removed hopefully not far on the horizon now so um, you know it was, it was 
you know, it was an experience going through that, but quite happy now that hopefully most of COVID has come to an end. Yeah, exactly. And just for the benefit of the uh, the listeners that are tuning into this, we are recording this podcast on uh, February the 15th. And I believe it is in literally the next uh, week or so that um, obviously with no change in the data, the Prime Minister has said that all restrictions could be gone. Obviously by, I think it's February the 21st or February the 24th, it'll be before the end of the month and the start of March in any case. And that obviously, um, Shaheb, um, does bode well for business moving forward. And as obviously we hopefully decisively enter that post-COVID world, embrace the challenges that it's going to bring, and we don't hopefully backtrack into the pandemic. I'd be interested to understand what's next for sort of you and your business this year, and what is it that you're really hoping to achieve just before we uh, wrap things up today? Yeah, um, what's next? I mean, we we have a, we're a small boutique accountant, the practice, you know, we don't have huge numbers of staff, but we don't have huge numbers of clients either, and that's not bad. The good thing is, with the clients we have, we know all of our clients very well, and we can offer them personal advice. So maybe the, you know, the the main challenges we've got is how do we grow the business to be able to do with more clients and still offer that bespoke personal service so we understand the business owners that we work with. Um, that's kind of the key challenges for us going forward. Um, in At the moment in the UK, it, there are a lot of good uh, employees available. It is a, a recruiter's market, I, I feel. Um, but, you know, we don't know how that changes. Uh, so, yeah, the, the main challenge we've got is we, we, we want to grow the business, and how do we manage to keep offering a personable, bespoke service that we already provide to to a greater number of clients? And if that means um, growing the practice to take on more more people to um, to maintain those personal relationships that we have with our clients and their business, then that might have to be the way forward. Um, so that's that's kind of the key challenge at the moment. But the difficulty thing, the difficulty in the accountancy sector is trying to find good, bright finance and accounts professionals that also have good interpersonal skills and get onto a client's level and talk a language that clients will respect. There's a lot of very bright people in accountancy, but traditionally accountants haven't been known for having great interpersonal skills, um, and that's and that's always been an issue. With 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 when when it comes to recruiting, finding those you know accountants with a bit of charisma and a bit of personality and that can understand uh, individuals and and have interpersonal skills and it's mm-hmm. yeah it's trying to bridge that gap really you know whether we can find in the right level and types of accountants to bring into the business to enable us to grow and keep doing what we've done well for so long, which is you know, offering exceptional levels of customer service and understanding our clients um, better than, you know, as a true business business advisor. So, you know, by understanding our clients really well and finding out what their business goals are and what their personal goals are, we can make sure their their business aligns with those, with those goals. Um, so that, those are the challenges for us going forward. Yep, certainly makes sense from my perspective. And I do sort of wish you all of the luck in the world in succeeding in the face of that challenge, because it is a long-standing issue within the accountancy sector as well, that sort of recruitment side of things. So 
it is going to be very interesting to see sort of how that is addressed in an environment which is tough for recruitment for everybody at the moment. I mean, it's a scarce yeah. talent pool. Obviously, everybody's uh, competing and there are a lot of people who, like say, we, t- we call it the great resignation, don't we? They've, they're moving into different sectors, trying new things. So, you know, there are people out there that might well be suited to it. And um, let's just see how the uh, the situation unfolds over the uh, the next 12 months and beyond. And I think as the sort of fog really starts to clear on this as well, Shohei. But I would really love the opportunity to uh, catch up with you and have you on the show again with us just to sort of assess the situation at that point in time. And hopefully there will be some real positives to share and uh, the business will be starting to execute that expansion that you've talked about in a very successful way. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be great to talk to you again, Scott. It's been um, really good, you know, speaking on the Leaders Council podcast. Um and yeah, more than happy to share any any pearls of wisdom that I may have, and nuggets, you know, golden nuggets of advice. Uh, anything I can, you know, share with uh, either young entrepreneurs or people establishing business or people looking to drive organisations forward. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always I'm always a big fan of uh, of sharing knowledge. Yeah, I'd be really happy to talk to yourselves again. Yeah, I'd relish that opportunity and um, that sort of sharing of knowledge, that networking, I think over the last couple of years, this acknowledgement that we've all been in a very similar boat with COVID, if not the same, I mean, it's really sort of reinforced the value of that, isn't it? And shown us all that even as business leaders running our own firms, like we're never really alone. We can always learn from each other. And um, like I say, and thank you as well, of course, for taking the time to come and talk to us and share your story, Shohei, because we couldn't do the work that we do in sharing those true accounts and helping people learn from each other without that. So thanks again for taking the time to join us on the programme. And by all means as well, do take care and do stay safe with all still going on. And fingers crossed that better days are certainly ahead of us. Thank you very much, Scott. Thanks so much for everyone on the, the Leeds Council podcast. And, uh, and yeah, wishing everyone the best, best for the future. Absolutely. And um, I do hope that everybody tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview with Shohei Shafiq from Integrity Accountancy Services today just as much as I did. And if you are tuning in today and you do run your own business, your own organization and feel that you have a story of success and innovation to share with us here at the Leaders Council, then by all means, we want to hear from you too. So why not also apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply because we all have something to offer when it comes to learning. Um, Until next time to every single one of our regular listeners tuning in, please do take care and goodbye and we will see you all again very soon.